Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and I am joined as always alongside Brandon Pelter. We've got an exciting episode this week for you guys. It is a recap of the six-game series sweep for the Patriots over the Hartford Yard Goats. We will also preview the upcoming 12-game homestand but more specifically, the upcoming six-game series against the New Hampshire Fishercats. And we have an interview. We have a guest this week, New Jersey native, right-handed relief pitcher for the Somerset Patriots. Ron Marinaccio joins the show. He gets to be the first player that we designate as a friend of the pod this season. But before we get into everything that we have, because there is a lot to go over this week, most important question of the day, Brandon. How are you, my friend? Doing really well, Mark. It's been a uh, been a couple days since we've been sitting together, so it's nice to get back to it. Uh, it's great to be getting the team back home for two straight weeks, and also coming off of such an impressive series. I'm excited to break it all down. Well, we are now sitting in the press box at TD Bank Ballpark, and we are gearing up for that 12 game homestand. But let's get into this last week. Certainly an impressive one as the Patriots swept the Hartford Yard Goats. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Six games in Hartford for the Patriots to wrap up their longest road trip of the season. They had dropped four of six against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, but going into Dunkin' Donuts Park, taking all six games against the Hartford Yard Goats, making this a very impressive overall 8-4 and four road trip for Somerset. Brandon, there was a lot that happened in this Hartford series. Really strong hitting, some very strong pitching, specifically on the starting side as well. There's a lot to get over, but what first jumps out off the page for you? Just a sweep. Honestly, coming into the year, hearing about these six-game series, I did not think that we would see a single sweep and the fact that they could take down the same team six straight times um, is not something that you can overlook. I mean, we talked to Ron and and uh, you guys will hear it in just a little bit about the pros and cons of those six game series. But one of the hardest thing is everybody needs to make adjustments, both the hitters, the pitchers and uh, the Patriots two closer games to start, but then, geez, those bats got red hot, and uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the series pretty much had everything that you could ask for in different terms of wins. Mm -hmm. The first game, Tuesday night, was a close one nothing game for the majority of the evening, and then Dermis Garcia had his big two-run home run, um, you know, so a come-from-behind win in a late-inning rally, uh, a late-night rally, and then on Wednesday... Patriots held two separate three-run leads, gave up the lead late, and rallied in extras. You know, we'll get into the the big-time uh, production from the bats over the last, really, four games of this week. But let's start at the beginning, because the Patriots had dropped four of six against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and then on the backs of a big-time home run from Dermis Garcia Tuesday night, and a little bit of late-inning moxie and some impressive pitching, specifically from Stephen Ridings on that Wednesday night, the Patriots are able to take the first two games of this series. Uh, so for you, Brandon, looking back at those couple of nights, what, what were a couple of things that stood out to you? Well, I mean, it was very impressive to see uh, Ridings come in in uh, extra innings there and not allow any runs. Keep in mind, there's that place runner out at second base, so I think that was important. I, I think overall, just a response standpoint after dropping four of six that you, uh, you had mentioned there in New Hampshire, and that was almost the exact opposite series in the sense of Patriots were in just about all of those games, and it seemed like from the seventh inning on, the Fisher Cats absolutely dominated and just found a win way to win ball games. They got big hits. I remember that Brock Lundquist grand slam that was just so deflating and comes to mind. Um, so that that response I think was huge, and we saw the Patriots bats really in a way that we had not ever seen them before, and that was really in big part due to Dermis Garcia getting red hot. Well, let's talk about Dermis Garcia, um, because there, there's a number of bats really to talk to for the Patriots this week, but uh, Dermis Garcia is now on a 10-game hit streak. 
that predates the series in Hartford by four games. We started to see some signs in New Hampshire. He had back-to-back home runs on a couple of nights um, in New Hampshire, including a big two-run home run that Saturday night of that series to give the Patriots a 5-3 lead in the eighth inning. Uh, But those little crumbs of maybe a breakout coming for Dermis really, you know, evolved into like a full-blown breakout sandwich for Garcia with with a huge week that he had. Yeah, he went 385, four homers, 10 RBI in those six games against the Yard Goats. I would think that uh, he would tell you he really enjoys playing at Dunkin' Donuts Park, especially out in uh, right field there. He drove the ball there plenty. He looked really good. He cut down on strikeouts a bunch too, just four strikeouts in six games. Um, I don't have the specifics, but I think that's probably the uh, least amount of strikeouts we saw from him uh, in such a time span because really in the early season he struggled with with his uh, pitch selection. He was swinging at things out of the zone and I think maybe trying to do a little too much, but now he's found his swing and he's a little more disciplined at the plate. He's really stepped up in the heart of this Patriots order as well. I mean, we talked about it a lot on last week's episode, so we don't need to go too far into depth about it, but you know, with Estevan Florial leaving and then uh, a number of new players coming on for the Patriots at the beginning of this series, uh, Dermis Garcia really, really stepped up. Uh, another bat that stepped up looking at the numbers, and we actually have a little bit of news to break, though by the time that this podcast comes out, it will have already been announced. Michael Beltre named the double the double A Northeast League Player of the Week uh, for this past week, and uh, you know his some of his numbers, Brandon, really jump off the page as well. Yeah, for a very good reason, he is extremely deserving. Thirteen for thirty in this series, that's good for four thirty three hitting at the plate. Twelve runs in six games, he scored twelve runs, two doubles. Two triples. He's the Patriots leader in doubles and triples. He had a home run and seven RBI. Keep in mind, folks, these are just the numbers for this six-game stretch against the Hartford Yard Goats. I mean, these numbers, um, even the extra base hits and the RBIs would be fairly decent for this point in the season now. What is it, 18 games in that we are? Uh, but that was just in six games. He also swiped a pair of bags. He really did it all. And Keep in mind, too, for Michael Beltre, this is with him bumping up in the order with all of the changes and departures in the Patriots roster. He was a guy that, for the most part, saw himself in the bottom third, and now he sees himself pretty consistently in that uh, top three uh, in the lineup. Yeah, well, he's been hitting second each night over the course of this series. Uh, He hit safely in each night as well. That includes a four-for-six performance on, uh, what was that, Thursday night, Became the first Patriot this season to hit for four hits in a game. Also scored three runs that night. Um, And then he just followed that up Friday night. Went three for six with a couple of runs scored and three RBI. And then, uh, of course, yesterday. Now we're recording this podcast on Monday. um, On Sunday, Beltre came just a double shy of the cycle. Was three for three in his first three at-bats with a single, a triple, and a home run. And uh, he didn't get the cycle which would have made him the third player in franchise history, the first with the double-A affiliation, uh, but still such an impressive week for Beltre. And I think it goes, Brandon, you know, and we're going to get into this also, a lot of players have needed to step up. You know, there was the announcement right before this Hartford series began that Hoy Park, Thomas Malone, and Brandon Wagner were getting sent up to triple-A Scranton-Wilkes-Barre to join... Estevan Florial and Zach Zaner that were already up there as well. So both of us were thinking, okay, well, you know, we don't want to say that the team has been negatively affected, but now there's some question marks with new guys coming in. We don't know exactly what they're going to bring to the table. And we'll get into the three new players in a moment. But for Michael Beltre, an opportunity really presented him itself to him this week, and he took advantage. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that um, on the heels of this performance, we can expect to see him at the top of the lineup pretty consistently now. You know, so many things can change, and it's really on the flip of a dime as well. But uh, but as of right now, he really did a great job of uh, adjusting. And, and he said after the game, he gives all his credit to Joe Migliaccio, Patriots hitting coach, and really the work was on his approach uh, because he had had quite a struggle to begin the season, but uh, in consistent time this past series, he lit it up. Well, let's talk about some of the other bats uh, because really across the board, 
Uh, everyone played well for the Patriots this week. They had a combined 311 team batting average with 10 home runs and 46 runs batted in just over these six games against the Hartford Yard Goats. But first, a couple of the new guys that really stepped up. Oliver Dunn, brand new to the team. He played in all six games for the Patriots this week. He had 308 on the week. Aaron Polensky making his professional baseball debut, played in four of the six games, hit 400. Even Evan Alexander had his first home run as a Patriot. Max Burt, uh, who was, had just joined the Patriots prior to this Hartford series, uh, he had a big week as well. Um, you know, what, what were some of the things uh, from some of these new guys that popped off for you? Well, I think the coolest thing was seeing Aaron Polensky make his, not just his double-A debut, his professional baseball debut, and to collect a base hit in your very first time up to the plate is uh, is pretty awesome. I mean, Julio told us uh, earlier this week that... Um, that he really didn't have much of a conversation with Aaron. It wasn't quite a sit-down, but he could tell that he was a little nervous, so and so he pulled him aside in the dugout, loosened him up, and, well, it certainly did the trick. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he had mentioned to Aaron, what, what did he say, that he uh, he said he wanted him to swing at the very, very first, first pitch. pitch as hard as he could. Yep, to get some of the nerves out, and it worked. He had that RBI double in his first at-bat, and then he said that he wanted... He said he was going to want him to swing at the very first pitch, get that first hit, and then he was going to want a second hit. Right, and once he gets a second hit, then he'll want a third hit. Yep. He clearly, I think, you know, from what we've seen from Julio, is that uh, very player-driven approach. Um, I think he really has a good relationship with his clubhouse, and and he protects his clubhouse as well. We we see that as we um, try and gauge some you know information and try and uh, find out some more about the team from him. But uh, but clearly that that got the job done with Polensky and and he's performing quite well in his first four games in Somerset yeah a 400 batting average he went six for 15 from the plate in his first four games on top of that for Polensky not only four runs batted in but four doubles as well uh Polensky is now tied for the team lead in doubles and he's only played in four games for Somerset so far this season he's tied with Michael Beltre who somewhat ironically was a double short of getting the cycle <laughs> On Sunday's game, I do want to key in on Oliver Dunn as well. Um, you know, Dunn was one of the three guys that was announced coming to the Patriots right before the Hartford series began. It was Dunn, Polensky, and Alexander. Oliver Dunn has hit cleanup for Somerset the last couple of games, a 308 batting average with one home run, seven RBI, uh, an on base percentage of 367. And that comes after a day yesterday where he failed to reach base, uh, but he had a couple of stretches, including scoring four runs. For Somerset on, uh, I believe it was Thursday night. What have you seen out of Dunn so far? Well, he's uh, he's been pretty solid in the field, but also that bat has uh, has started to pick up for him. And you mentioned the uh, 308 batting average, 8426 from the plate. Good for uh, for those numbers in the six games. For Somerset, it's been interesting because we saw so many changes defensively um, when we had the you know initial core to start the season, and while that has continued, it has slowed down a little bit. Although Dunn is uh, is one of the guys like uh, Oswaldo Cabrera and Diego Castillo that we'll really see all around the diamond on the infield. Oh, that's another name, Diego Castillo, who really impressed in his first week with the Patriots, but he's been on the seven day injured list um, ever since I want to say it was the fifteenth, the sixteenth of May and uh, hopefully there's a chance that he can get activated and you know the Patriots can continue to get even more reinforcements for Oliver Dunn just to wrap up on him seven RBI uh, all of those coming in his last six games he recorded an RBI in uh, each of the last five actually I should say including two RBI on Friday two RBI on a Saturday before we get into the pitching because there is some impressive stuff to get into with the pitching as well uh, just wrapping up the hitting you know the production came across the board for Somerset on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Every batter in the Patriots lineup recorded a hit, top to bottom. In addition to that, Friday night, every Patriot scored a run. So, uh, very impressive nights. You know, the Patriots won 11-1 to on, what was it, Thursday, 14-3 to on Friday. Uh, they took a closer game, 7-2, to on Saturday, and then uh, just blew the doors off again, a 10-3 victory on a Sunday. You know, I don't know if this is a fair question for me to ask, Brandon, but just looking at the run production, three of the last four games for the Patriots, 10 or more runs. 
uh, three, all four of the last games for the Patriots, 10 or more hits. Is it reasonable to expect this moving forward from the Patriots, or should fans sort of anticipate when New Hampshire comes in, um, starting with a series tomorrow, that you know maybe these bats are going to cool off a bit and come down to earth? I think it's a little hard to say. I mean, we had this conversation after, you know, the Harrisburg series, then again after the New Hampshire series, and I think we'll we'll return to it here after the Hartford series. It is still early in the season, and with these six-game series, while the Patriots are just a half game back in the entire uh, league, in the entire Northeast League for the, that top overall record, they've only played three teams, and so they had... Two very convincing five and uh, they went five and one against Harrisburg. They went six and zero against Hartford, but then they dropped four of six against New Hampshire. So I think it's hard to have a clear cut answer, and uh, and I think also like you said, we had so many question marks coming into this series with the many changes in the Patriots roster coming into this series against the Yard Goats. While they certainly have been answered to an extent, I still think it'll be really interesting to see how they play against this New Hampshire team that they struggled just two weeks ago. Well, we'll get into that New Hampshire preview a little bit later in this week's episode, uh, but I'd be remiss if we did not talk about some of the pitching for the Patriots over this week as well. Of course, the bats are, are one of the biggest stories, but another big story to come out of this, the starting pitching was excellent. Let's key in on Glenn Otto's performance um, on Thursday night for the Patriots. Five and a third innings, two hits, no runs, one walk. 14 strikeouts for Otto in that game. He recorded 16 outs. 14 of them were by way of the strikeout. What did you see out of Otto in that uh, near-historic performance? Yeah, how do we not start there, right? Uh, we saw him go four and a third, no hit through uh, that entire five and a third outing as well. Dominance, really. He attacked early on, and what he had told us is that he was establishing early strikes, and as he went later in the outing, he struggled a little bit to locate as well early on, so he was fighting some from behind in the count when we saw him in the fourth and the fifth innings. So we'd like to really adjust that, um, and if he can make those adjustments, then we can maybe see him go six, seven innings um, and, and further. Uh, but we saw him attack the zone. We saw really good command of all of his pitching uh, pitches, which uh, I thought was so impressive and really a, a strong reliance on the breaking ball. He was willing to go to that in any count, and, uh, and he could use that. He could use the fastball. He really couldn't be touched. Uh, we'll see Otto again uh, in this series coming up. We uh, we anticipate it'll probably be for Wednesday's game um, uh, with Jansen Junk most likely getting the ball on uh, Tuesday for the series opener. But for the Somerset Patriots starting pitchers, uh, just in a brilliant week worth of pitching, uh, in each of the first four games, Somerset starting pitchers did not allow an earned run. It was 19 combined innings between Jansen Junk um, well, starting off with Matt Crook, then Jansen Junk, then Glenn Otto, then Luis Heal. All of them combined 19 innings without without allowing a run and striking out 35. Sean Sempo only went two innings for the Patriots on a Saturday night. He did allow a run over those two innings. And then Matt Crook yesterday allowed two runs over his four innings, uh, but they were both unearned. So only one earned run allowed by Patriots starting pitching over 25 innings. Uh, against Hartford, which, you know, we've seen a lot of positives from every single starting pitcher so far this season, Brandon. Uh, but you have a, you know, you have the bats that are putting up the runs that they are, and then this starting pitching, pitching as it has been, at least over uh, the last six games against Hartford. And then some of the overall numbers for this pitching staff are very impressive as well. And, you know, you, I, know I know you just mentioned that it's still early in the season, but there's a lot to get excited about there. Yeah, because I, I think we've seen the pitching be pretty consistently good. I'll leave it at that for right now. <laughs> pretty consistently good throughout. That's what we strive for here. And, uh, pretty consistently good. <laughs> well, I, I think that I, I, I would say you might be in the same boat as I. I don't want to speak for you, but we don't want to go too far over the top yeah. yet. We want to give them some time to continue to, to face other teams, but there's a lot to be excited about on both sides of the ball. The pitching, like I said, through the first three series has been really solid. They lead the league, all of AA, I should say, in strikeouts. They're towards the top, I think, tied for third in ERA, top whip. The number We can keep going with the numbers, but all in all, 
they uh, can compete head-to-head against any pitching staff across not just the Northeast League, but all of double-A. Yeah, and starting pitching, if you get good starting pitching, that could be an equalizer, no matter what kind of lineup you go up against. It, it's sort of like goaltending in playoff hockey, mm-hmm. that your your team might not be the best, but if you get a goalie that's standing on his head for all three periods, that could equalize things. And especially as we start to see a little more length from the starting pitching, they're still yes. on a bit of a leash. We heard Friday from a couple of the guys that seem very excited mm-hmm. to get uh, closer toward that century mark when we look at the pitch count. But right now, for the most part, 75 to 85 pitches or so seems like it's been the sweet spot. And uh, as we get through the next week, maybe two, which... All will be right here at TD Bank Ballpark. We'll see these guys inching closer and closer towards 100 pitches, probably give a little more length. And then what I think also uh, that introduces and makes pretty exciting is how the bullpen shapes up and what roles we see guys start to take on because there are a plethora of incredible arms down in the pen with Greg Weissert, Stephen Ridings, uh, Keegan Curtis has been really good, Ron Marinaccio, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I I can't go on too, too long. Um, There are a lot of really good names out there, and so I'm interested to see how that all lines up when we get the starting pitching from Somerset consistently going five, six innings every night. Well, fortunately for all of our listeners to this week's episode, we spoke to one of those impressive arms that were in, that's in the uh, Patriots bullpen. So when we come back, we'll have Brandon's interview with a New Jersey native and right-handed relief pitcher in the Patriots bullpen, Ron Marinaccio. Neshanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Neshanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas. Visit NishanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tee time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. We welcome you back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Brandon Pelter here, and we have a, a very special guest, Patriots righty reliever Ron Marinaccio joins us. Ron, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. So let's start out uh, back in Tom's River. You're a Jersey guy, one of a couple that we have on the team for, you know, we have so many Patriots fans right here in the Bridgewater area, but Yankees fans all around the world. So give us a little uh, in-depth look into what it was like growing up in Tom's River. Uh, I mean, growing up in Tom's River, it's, you know, a lot of Yankees over there. So just Yankees fans all around. It's been, you know, a dream come true kind of to be able to start to work my work my way through the Yankees system. And I mean, my family is all Yankees fans and it's just, you know, it's kind of something that you dream about playing little league is being able to play for that team that you that you root for the whole time so that's kind of still what i'm what i'm working towards and it's just you know a blessing to be a part of this organization so then you go from tom's river north over to delaware and in your time at delaware you you were a starting pitcher then your uh, senior season or rather junior season you started some games you were a closer as well what's the difference in mindset and from a preparation standpoint were things very different for you when you were starting game versus coming out of the pen how did you approach it uh, it's definitely very different i mean as a reliever you get to stay locked in to the game a little bit more for more than one game and as a starter obviously you have your one big outing a week and um for me, I kind of grad or like gradually, you know, gravitated towards liking being a reliever more. So it just keeps me into the game more often. It takes out a little bit of the anticipation and the hype for each for each start so much. And you know, I could I could be locked in and feel like I could have more of an impact 
for my team throughout the week rather than just the one game that I get to pitch every week. And then we circle back after your time at Delaware uh, to the Yankees. As you mentioned, you grew up um, watching them, a huge fan drafted in the uh, 19th round in 2017. Was it any more special that that was your childhood team or had you kind of separated at that point, tried to take a step back and, and sever those ties as a fan? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I was hoping to get taken by anyone. And uh, and when it was the Yankees, you know, it's just uh, for me, like it was awesome. But for everybody else, I think it was even a little bit cooler because just from that area, you know, everybody hears Yankees, Yankees, Yankees all the time. So that was that was pretty cool. But it's definitely taking a step back a little bit as a fan when you start to move through the organization a little bit. You treat it a little bit more like more like work obviously but it's 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 still the fun game but you have to you know show up every day like it's like it's a job and try to to you know you can't be the fan of the people around you anymore you gotta you gotta those are your teammates now so you've been in the Yankees organization now for a couple years uh, last full season in 2019 you played under Julio Mascara now with uh, the kind of distance here with everything going on this year we've only really chatted with Julio via zoom what is he like? How is he in the clubhouse? And uh, and as a manager, how would you describe him? Uh, Julio's awesome. I mean, he's been one of my favorite managers to play for so far through pro ball and even through my career. Honestly, I mean, he's a very personable guy. He's he's very you know personal with everybody on the team. It's not just one guy or another or hitters or pitchers. He's he's pretty good with getting to know everybody and. He's also got that factor in a manager that you still are a little bit scared of him also, so you don't want to mess up, and he, he keeps everybody in check well. What, what does he do that keeps you guys a little uh, scared? Anything in particular? <laughs> I guess scared would be the wrong way to describe it, but he, you know, you, you definitely have a, a good level of respect for, for Julio, and you're going to, you know, whatever he says, you, you know that he's got a good feel for the game, and He's only doing it to better you, so it's kind of like a, a, a high respect for Julio than other managers that I've had in the past because, you know, he's, he's always looking to help everybody. Chatting with uh, Patriots reliever Ron Marinaccio. Ron, fast-forwarding a little bit here to opening day. It had uh, been quite a while since we've seen any baseball here in Bridgewater. I'm sure it was a while since you took the mound uh, under the lights in a circumstance like that. What was the overall feeling out of the ballpark? And then, of course, you come in and, and you absolutely shine going three and a third with seven Ks. What was that whole experience? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, obviously being close to home, I had a lot of family and friends around and even just being back on the mound to compete again, it was, it was, you know, something that we trained a very long time for this off season. It was basically almost two off seasons. So it was a long time coming and, you know, a lot of anticipation leading up to that. And it was, it was good. I mean, I, I was happy to get a good one out of the way and it was nice to have some family and friends around and help the team win a little bit. Now, I know everyone was available out of the pen, but was there any kind of game plan? Did you have an idea that you would be coming out in somewhat of a long roll, or uh, did that kind of catch you a little by surprise? Uh, I didn't have an idea at all. I kind of asked our pitching coach, Moscos, to not tell me, honestly, when I'm going to go in. I don't really like the anticipation leading up to going in. I kind of just like to keep myself ready, and then when I'm, whenever my name's called, just be ready to go help out, whatever, you know, if it's the fourth inning or the eighth inning, whenever possible. Mention that you've uh, you shined in that opening day performance. You really have continued to dazzle out of the pen since. And the one pitch that's really worked, that uh, it seems like everybody has keyed in on, is that changeup. And you even said after opening day that it was a little better than you thought. What is the process of working on a pitch, developing a pitch like that, and then how does it come out and surprise you? Uh, for me, the changeup is finding a little bit analytically that I need to throw it more. Uh, previous years, I only threw it, you know, less than 10% of the time, and it's probably been closer to 40 or 50% of the time now, and then that makes my fastball play up a little bit more. In, instead of playing the changeup off the fastball, I've almost been playing the fastball off with the changeup now, so that sneaks up on guys a little bit. And, you know, I'm still working to try and get the slider going more and more, and I think that'll be an effective pitch for me once I can get a little bit more consistency with that. For any of our fans that might not be too big or haven't taken a deep dive into the analytics side of things, what are the couple of the numbers and the key metrics that you really look at? And if you wouldn't mind really 
dumbing it down a little almost for myself and kind of taking me through what we should be looking at to get a good idea of a strong performance away from, you know, the normal stats that hits the runs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it varies definitely for every pitcher and every pitch too specifically. Obviously, you know, some fastballs, the higher you could spin a fastball, the more effective it is going to be just um, it plays up a little bit. And curveball is the same thing. And then on the opposite side, change-ups and stuff like that, you're looking to kill spin. So it's a lot that have to do with spin. The higher spin on higher pitches like a fastball and slider will benefit that pitch more. And then, you know, it gets a little bit crazier too, more in-depth on X and Y axis and stuff like that. So, but that's a, that's a little bit, that's a little bit more in-depth. But for the most part, I think, uh, something new that's been introduced to the game lately is just learning how to spin the ball more and more. And is that something that you've worked really directly with Patriots pitching coach Daniel Moskis kind of getting into, or is that more an entire Yankees organization philosophy? Yeah. Moskis was, um, he was a huge part of my off season. Uh, we all got set up with the coach over the off season and Moskis was a guy that I worked with. So sending video back and forth and sending data back and forth. He helped me a ton with this offseason and developing pitches and smoothing my mechanics out. So I, I owe a lot of credit to him for, you know, making the jump to double A this year. I can only imagine that it got a bit frustrating not getting into, you know, real games this past year. And you even mentioned you enjoy coming out of the pen more just because you stay focused each and every game. What kind of challenges did this past year pose and, and how did you keep yourself focused and on point? Uh, I was I was definitely super busy this offseason between work and working out and throwing and stuff. So that was kind of just kept me focused. But it, it definitely was hard. And I know, you know, talking to a lot of guys around the organization, it got hard at times because it was a long layoff. So, I mean, a lot of guys in my situation, the last time we were on the mound, we were 23, 24 years old and now we come back and step on the mound and we're 25 going on 26. So that's, you know, it's a big difference in the baseball world. So we're starting to get up there in age a little bit. So we feel, you know, a little bit more pressure, a little bit more urgency to get going. And that was kind of the feel for the off season is kind of the unknowing of when we'd be able to get back on the mound again, which was probably the toughest part. But, you know, now that we're back, we're all excited to get going and we're playing some good baseball. So it's been fun. We've got right-handed reliever Ron Marinaccio joining us on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Ron, taking a little step back, looking at the pitching staff as a whole. I mean, you guys have been phenomenal when we look at some of the stats for all of AA, not just the Northeast League. Toward the top, you lead the league in, uh, in strikeouts. Towards the top, an ERA whip. We could go on. What are some of the things as a whole that have really stood out to you that you guys do well? I mean, all those things that you just pointed out, we have them posted in our locker in our locker room every week to, um, you know, our team overall stats compared to the rest of the teams in double A. And, you know, that's kind of something we've came together now that we're excited to, you know, compete as a team against the rest of the staffs in the league. So that's something like in within the team that the pitching staff competes for is to try to be that best pitching staff in the you know the double a division and it's been fun you know it builds camaraderie between all of us because we we see it as a competition within also and doing that helps us you know put our team in the best position to win games also now ron we had a chance to hear from steven ridings last week and we asked him about any rituals you guys might have in the bullpen he said there wasn't a whole lot but the one thing was the snack bag that you guys have now he kept it pretty plain with pretzels what's your go-to in that snack bag uh, yeah, I mean, there's basically anything you want in there, anything <laughs> between beef jerky and a sour, sh like a sour patch kit or something. So, you know, whatever, whatever you're feeling that day, there'll be something in there for you. Do you have anything in particular that you go for or do you? No, not so much. Kind of just a grab and go, whatever you get. Now, with this season, there have been, uh, been a lot of changes in the schedule, even in facilities here at the TD Bank Ballpark. We've done a lot. And uh, even when you guys come back from your road trip, you'll see uh, the batting cage is all finished up, which is really exciting. Have you really noticed those changes? Have they had a big impact on you guys? Uh, definitely have noticed the changes. I mean, it's all it's all brand new in there for us. The locker room's awesome. You know, the the field's awesome. And 
even even the weight room, like compared to other facilities, we, you know, the Yankees always do it great. We have top of the line stuff and, you know, we all we all really appreciate being able to come in every day and have new stuff and stuff that's you know going to benefit us throughout the season. The other big change being the uh, six game series. There are a lot of pros, a lot of cons. Where do you kind of fall on that and uh, how has it played out through now the first three? Um, so the six game series is definitely long. I mean, as a reliever, you're usually seeing a team twice a week at least. And it falls, I think, you know, for one starter a week, they face that team twice in one series too. So it's tough to face guys so many times in one week. And then here being on the road, we also could feel it a little bit now too. We had, you know, two back-to-back road trips. So we're here for basically half a month on the road now. Where in previous years it would a long road trip would be a week, you know, two series would be about a week long. So a long road trip. Now we're getting into about a half a month. So it is definitely a long time of being on the road. But you know we're we're having fun. We're still just happy to be back playing baseball. Do you find yourself making a lot more team specific adjustments? You know, a day or two after your relief appearance because you you realize you might be facing them again in another day? Uh, definitely a lot. I think a lot goes into scouting reports and stuff. So we're obviously looking more and more in depth in that because we're going to have to, you know, have a better game plan where as in previous years, you know, you only as a reliever, especially you only see a guy maybe once in a weekend. So you, you usually just go with your strengths. But if you, if you see a guy two or three times and for a starter, you might be able to see that guy five or six times in a week. You really have to mix in some of your strengths with some of their weaknesses as well all right ron we really appreciate the time i know you got a pretty busy schedule but uh we thank you for the time and we look forward to seeing you back here at the ballpark awesome thanks for having me the patriots and pinstripes podcast is brought to you by td bank td bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog We've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need, telemedicine, mental health services, and more, because everyone should feel like someone has their back. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We just heard from Ron Marinaccio. Now it's time to look forward to the upcoming six-game series between the Somerset Patriots and the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Brandon, we mentioned it earlier in this week's episode. The Patriots dropped four of six the first time they played against New Hampshire. That was up at Delta Dental Stadium in Manchester now a couple of weeks ago. They welcome in the Fisher Cats here. We know they've got some top prospects. We know that they played well against Somerset. What are you looking out for to begin this series? Well, uh, there are a couple things that I look at. The first thing that comes to mind is the uh, first ever Patriots killer in the uh, new affiliation in here in the AA Northeast League. That's Gabriel Moreno hitting 474 in five games against Somerset with seven RBI. And uh, overall in the season, look, it's not just the Patriots. He's had success against. He's not hitting 500 anymore. But now it's just a, a measly 404, and that's uh, that's good for, I believe, second in the league. Um, so Gabriel Moreno is, I think, the top man that we look at. Uh, I'm also intrigued to see Simeon Wood, Woods Richardson pitching in Somerset again. He had a lot of success. Uh, against the Patriots, as did Otto Lopez, who now I feel like maybe a little more under the radar for us than Moreno has slowly crept up. He's third in the the AA Northeast League, hitting 361 in terms of average. He uh, he hit 500 against the Patriots in that last series with six doubles. Those are some of the names that immediately jump off the page to me. And then the other one that, uh, for a reason of not having too much success, was Austin Martin. He's had a little bit of a slower start uh, to this season overall against Somerset. Just four hits 
in uh, he played in five games in that series and uh, and overall on the young season it, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him hitting 235 just uh, continuing to get adjusted to double a ball but uh, as a top prospect for the Blue Jays he kind of strikes you as one of those guys kind of like Dermis Garcia when where when he starts to find that swing look out well, Martin was the fifth overall draft pick in the 2020 draft out of uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, so he's somebody that probably the top overall prospect that will come through uh, at TD Bank Ballpark, at least to begin this season. Uh, you know, he was ranking in the top 20 in uh, Baseball America. Jordan Groshans, a uh, 12th overall pick by the Toronto Blue Jays back in 2018. Uh, hasn't been the strongest start to the season for him, uh, but he's another top 60 prospect. I did notice that uh, for the World Baseball Classic qualifiers that are about to go underway, Simeon Woods Richardson was on that roster. So there is a possibility with that upcoming um, World Baseball Classic qualifier for Team USA uh, that Simeon Woods Richardson might not be pitching in this series because he's on that team. Yeah, that's that's a very good catch mark and something that I hadn't really thought too much about. But Look, we'll see. We uh, we don't have an answer either way. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll figure that out when we hear from our friends over the with the Fisher Cats soon. Well, with the Fisher Cats coming down here to uh, TD Bank Ballpark, it'll be a different setup. Of course, you know they were playing at home. They had their uh, home opener for the season, so a lot of emotions uh, went into that. Uh, but you know, looking at this Fisher Cats roster, where the Patriots had success. In, uh, in their two wins and in some of their comeback efforts uh, over that six-game series was really attacking the bullpen for New Hampshire. You know, the Fisher Cats got some strong starting pitching, uh, namely out of Simeon Woods Richardson, who had made two starts in that series against Somerset. But the Patriots, you know, they did touch up the bullpen a little bit. Um, you know, and looking at this overall Fisher Cats squad, you know, they had a 3.17 ERA against Somerset, um, in that week, but overall on the season, they've got a team ERA of 4.76. So it could be argued that they pitched a little above their weight that week, and maybe there's some room with the Patriots' bats and the way they've been playing to, to find some success. Definitely, and that also, to that point, though, it is it bears to mention that they've played the Sea Dogs of Portland in yeah. two of their three series with the Patriots being that only other team. So it's really hard just looking at the stats to have a good idea. Maybe New Hampshire's a great pitching spot, <laughs> but the Portland bats are just so good. We haven't had a chance to, uh, to see them yet. We will soon, but I do think it's a a good point right they they did pitch a little bit better um, against Somerset than they did against the Sea Dogs they dropped five of six to Portland in the opening series they dropped four of six last week so obviously um, they have not had Portland's number this year well it's it's interesting because I didn't think about this but you know the Fisher Cats in their first month of the season only play two teams mm -hmm. Portland then Somerset then Portland then Somerset again then they play Binghamton and then they play Portland again. Uh, but it's just the nature of the schedule. But looking at the last couple of games for the Fisher Cats, uh, they had won on Thursday night 12-2. Big offensive performance that night. They won 12-4. Big offensive performance again on Friday night. Uh, but the last two games for the Fisher Cats, it was their bullpen that allowed late rallies for Portland and ultimately cost them the games. On uh, What was it? On Saturday night, the Fisher Cats were leading... 6-2 to two going into the ninth inning. Gave up four runs in the top of the ninth. Portland won that one 7-6. to six. And then in uh, yesterday's ballgame, uh, the Fisher Cats were leading 2-1 to one going into the eighth inning. Portland three runs in the eighth, three more runs in the ninth. Uh, so is that sort of the Achilles heel that we're looking at where, where the Patriots could have some success, that back end of the bullpen? Definitely. We saw it a little bit in that first series. Um, I, I think for for the uh, Fisher Cats, the starting pitching was relatively solid. But for one reason or another, uh, against uh, Portland, New Hampshire really in the bullpen, the walks was what hurt them so mm. badly, especially in the first series to, to begin the season. And so... Um, you know, we'll see if uh, the Patriots can cash in. And, and like we said, I mean, I'm very excited to see the Patriots' bats, what we saw from them the past week. If they can transition that over here to TD Bank Ballpark with the quality starting pitching that they've had, I mean, nobody can beat them if, if they can keep that up. 
Oh, and the hope is that the Patriots will now have their batting cage ready uh, for this series as, you know, that big uh, building that many of our fans have seen when they've driven past TD Bank Ballpark or when they've come to games uh, over the first week of the season. That's a batting cage, and it, there's a lot that has gone into it to make sure that it's ready and operational for the guys when they come back, and, and we're hoping that that's the case, so that should do nothing but help out this uh, this Patriots team as well. It should be a fun series. Six against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays AA affiliate. And we already mentioned a couple of big prospects. Gabriel Moreno, Austin Martin, Jordan Groshans, and maybe uh, Simeon Woods Richardson as well. So you're going to want to key in for this series. After this six-game set, the Patriots will have six more against the Reading Fightin' Phils, who have really struggled to begin their season. But we will preview that episode on next week's show. For now, we'll step aside one more time. When we come back, we'll have a, uh, a look around the rest of the minor league affiliates of the New York Yankees on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. And hey, welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Patriots swept a six-game series against the Hartford Yard Goats this past week, but they were not the only team in the New York Yankees organization to have success. Let's check in with AAA Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, High A Hudson Valley, and Low A Tampa. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. It was a great week for the Tampa Tarpons on the offensive side. They scored 55 runs in five games with the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, winning four out of those contests. Elijah Dunham and Andres Shaparo both led the way with seven RBIs each, and Dunham is hitting 462 on the week. Anthony Volpe has had an up-and-down week, but a couple of hits in Saturday's game give him six RBIs on the week as well. Hi, everyone. This is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Gades were back on the road this week, facing their old New York Penn League foes, the Brooklyn Cyclones. The Clones broke out the jerseys with the gold lettering in honor of being the final New York Penn League champions in 2019 on Tuesday. But the Gades weren't bothered at all. Hudson Valley spoiled the party with a 4-3 win on a Pablo Oliveira's double in the ninth. On Wednesday, well, it happens. Brooklyn exploded for a 14-0 win as four Cyclones pitchers hurled a five-hitter. To Thursday, where Luis Medina struck out 11 over five and two-thirds innings. Ezekiel Duran homered and drove in four as the Renegades won 6-1. to one. We moved to Friday, where the Cyclones held Hudson Valley to four hits and a 4-1 win. On Saturday, the every-other-night trend held true as the Gage struck for five runs after four. The Cyclones tried to climb back but fell 5-3. Oswald Peraza had a double and an RBI while Duran drove in two. Ken Waldachuk was sharp again, allowing one hit and walking one over four and a third while striking out ten. He has yet to allow a run this season. Duran has had the hot bat going 7-for-20 on the road trip with two doubles, a triple, and a home run. He has driven in six and is currently hitting 309. The Renegades currently sit in second place in the High A East North Division at 9-8, and eight, two games behind the Aberdeen Ironbirds. The Gades return to Dutchess Stadium on Tuesday to host the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. After a victory last Sunday against Lehigh Valley... Scranton Wilkesbury headed to Rochester for their only trip to take on the Red Wings at Frontier Field this season. Over the last 10 days, the Rail Riders have needed reinforcements from Double A Somerset. Whether it was Zach Zayner last weekend 
or because of the taxi squad and the Yankees playing in Texas, the necessity to bring up Hoy Park, Brandon Wagner, and Thomas Malone. And that group has done very well for themselves, all things considered, three of them making their AAA debuts this week. In five games played, Hoy Park has hit safely in all five. A 368 average this week for Scranton Wilkesbury with three runs batted in. Thomas Malone, all five games played in the series against Rochester so far, batting 381, five runs batted in. Brandon Wagner hitting 250 with a home run, three runs batted in. Now, Zach Zayner has scuffled a bit at the plate since joining the club, but Zayner has walked nine times in six games. I think it's just kind of how it's played out early on. You know, I've made some adjustments in this offseason, really want to be in my legs and, you know, have a good foundation to see the ball. And, you know, I just I think you're running into one of those stints where, you know, if it happened midseason, you wouldn't really be looking at it. But, you know, you start the season off with however many walks it was. It's like, wow, he's really seeing the ball. Um, So, yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, my pitch and I'm seeing it really well right now. So I'm going to take what they give me. Rail Riders coming off an epic 9-8 win on Saturday night have clinched the series four games to one with one game left to go. Brody Kerner gets the ball on Sunday afternoon, trying to take five out of six from the Washington Nationals AAA affiliate. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. So good vibes, good pitching, good batting all the way around in the New York Yankees organization. And oh, by the way, the Bronx Bombers swept the Chicago White Sox this past weekend as well. So, you know, Pretty good things going on from all levels of the New York Yankees organization over the last week. That's it for us here today. Uh, We will be back with another episode next week. And, of course, if you're listening on Monday night, uh, come out to the ballpark tomorrow uh, for the series opener against the Fisher Cats. If you're listening to this podcast when it is uh, posted online on on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, on Breaker, on all of those sites um, or on SomersetPatriots.com as well. We'll see you at the ballpark tonight. Come on out. The Patriots have won six in a row. Uh, they are now eight games above 500 in first place in the AA Northeast League. So a lot of fun baseball ahead, not only this series, but all season long. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of your week, Patriots fans. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.